It's the Ag Ship Podcast. I'm Patrick Mayhorn, creator of the Ag Ship, a credentialed newsletter covering Utah State football, men's and women's basketball, and Olympic sports. You can subscribe at www.theagship.com. Uh, go on over there for all of the written content, previews, reviews, cover stories, uh, player features, film reviews and previews, things of that nature. Um, that is all available at your fingertips, delivered right to your uh, email outlet of of choice i suppose uh, as well as online which is where i prefer to read the stuff um but uh, it's all over there at www.theagship.com we'd love to have your support and if you already are subscribed thank you as always for your support uh we've got a football game to preview once again we have a football game to preview one last game of the season for utah state in the famous Idaho Potato Bowl against Georgia State on December 23rd, I believe at uh, 1.30 local time, I think, 3.30 Eastern. Um, and uh, to discuss that, as well as some goings-on on the basketball court, uh, as always, I am joined by co-host Parker Ballantyne. Parker, what's up? How's it going, Patrick? I'm uh, I'm stoked. We got, we got some good stuff to go over. Um, yeah, that, that football game that we allegedly had on the schedule, it's, it's finally here. It snuck up on us, uh, or, or at least, uh, it certainly snuck up on me. I won't speak for you, although I think, uh, yeah. it's probably safe to say that it snuck up on, yeah. on a lot of people. Um, but yeah, it's, it's good. It's, it's the final one of the year. Um, but I don't know, it, it'll be good. It'll be fun. Um, we, like we've said in the past, like, uh, 13 games is, uh, so we play in Logan. So. It's kind of uh it's game 13 it's what yeah. we do and uh it, it's 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 a game we'll, we'll talk about it uh-huh. um georgia state and the famous idaho potato bowl um i will be there you will be there hopefully uh, a bunch of our, our listeners will be there and um it'll be it'll be fun at least to be uh, up there and it's it's a good it's probably the best reason to be up and, and look at that ugly blue turf and it's a good shot of getting a win on that ugly blue turf so yeah uh, a lot of things that you can't complain about if you're uh, an aggie fan but yeah we'll we'll talk about that and then of course like you said there's some there's some things happening on, on the hardwood here at utah state as there always is yeah and uh, we will get to to both sides of that men's and women's as well yeah yeah both sides of that good and bad there there are there are things happening on the basketball court some of them very <laughs> good some of them a little bit less good we're going to get to that yeah um, there are lots of things lots of things lots of things happening on the basketball court something for everybody if you like good or bad things i guess um (laughs) (laughs) but before we do that we do have as mentioned a football game to talk about and we're going to dive right into it georgia state is like utah state six and six they got to it in a very different way i believe they started the season six and one and then lost their last five games if if memory serves it was a difficult end to the season for georgia state they have seen a handful of pretty significant departures uh, since then. Several starters hitting the transfer portal, a couple guys as well who are just opting out for the sake of the NFL draft. Um, we've got all of the the important ones covered, and we will talk about as we go through the preview uh, in the same way that we usually do. We've got the, the different battles, passing game versus pass defense, rushing attack versus rush defense, all of that stuff. Um, and I think the, probably the best place to start with this would be the Utah State passing attack against the Georgia State passing defense. This is a battle that has quite a few significant pieces missing on both sides. Uh, for Utah State, of course, the biggest uh, player who won't be involved here is the starting quarterback, which would be Cooper Lega. He he yeah. remains 
sidelined. He has a shoulder injury, um, as, as Blake Anderson tells it and, and said at a press conference yesterday. Um, as we record this on uh, Tuesday, I think it's Tuesday. It feels like Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, sure, all of the sure. days have kind of, have kind of been running together for about three months now. Um, yeah. but, uh, he said yesterday that like, it, it's one of those things where Cooper could, if absolutely like if they were really, really pushing it, then he could play, but it is not a good idea. It's one of those things where if he played, there's a decent chance that he would aggravate, the shoulder injury further. I think it's an injury to his throwing arm. Um, and they just don't want to, they don't want to risk it. They don't want to risk setting him back with, you know, aggravating it or, or with even getting a significant hit on that shoulder and, and really, really making things worse. So Cooper will not play. I don't think under any circumstances he would play. I, I think Utah State would probably go with the, with the like, emergency quarterback uh, rather than putting him in the game. It's not, he's not going to play. His season is done. Uh, they are going to protect his health and, and get him hopefully back and ready to go by spring practice. Um, the situation is the same for wideout Micah Davis. Um, I don't remember exactly what they said, what, what Anderson said his injury was. I think it's a leg injury of some sort. Lower yeah, I think injury. it was, it was lower. I think it was a foot. It was, it was lower, lower yeah. body. I can't remember exactly though. Yeah. The expectation is that he will be back sometime in the middle of spring practice, but he's not playing in this game. And then Brock Lane, I think is another one of a, uh, kind of a precautionary measure at tight end. Uh, he obviously has been, he he's had his fair share of injuries as an Aggie uh, to his legs specifically. And I believe he had surgery last off season and, and has had some just aggravation issues with it and they don't want to make it worse. They're going to let him recover and, and give those guys as long as they can to get them healthy going into spring practice, which makes sense that, that, yeah, yeah. that sounds fine to call. me. Yeah. Good You'll... call. I just double checked. He, he had foot surgery and yeah, according to uh, your tweet actually from, from yesterday, yeah, uh, he, he should be back in the spring. So uh, yeah, just confirming that it's, 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 it's going to suck to miss him. Uh, it'll, it'll be a tough one to miss in this game, but uh, getting these guys back and ready for spring is, is the right call. Yeah, and it sounds like the rest of the offense is relatively healthy. It'll be Levi Williams at quarterback, as expected. McKay Hillstead yeah. is available. He is listed on the depth chart, um, but he is also, obviously, he's been dealing with an ankle injury, and they don't want to aggravate that either. So it'll, it, it will be Levi behind the center. Um, and presumably it will be his game throughout. I, I, it's, it would take a lot to injure <laughs> Levi Williams. He's a, yeah, he's a yeah. big, he's a big man. Um, and so probably will be Levi's to run. He has a history with this bowl game. He was very successful in this bowl game when he was playing for Wyoming. I believe he's actually set some records when he did that. Um, but, uh, it will be, it will be his game to lead for the Utah state passing attack. And there will be a lot of opportunities to throw the football, uh, weather permitting, but, uh, Georgia state, this is not a good pass defense. This has really not been a good pass defense all season and it gets worse. They, they've lost three guys who are pretty important for the pass defense to either opt outs or the portal. Uh, defensive end Shamar McCollum is probably the least important of the three. He's fine. He was a solid defensive end for them. He's out. They have depth up front. Um, but the big ones, John Trey Hunter and Brequise Brown at linebacker and cornerback, respectively, 
Um, Hunter's probably the best player on the defense. He is opting out for the sake of the draft. Um, leading tackler, converted defensive back, and so he was also pretty comfortably their best coverage linebacker. Um, and then Brown was the number two corner on the outside. Number one guy is still here. Um, that would be Gavin Pringle. He's good. He's a good player. Uh, but they will be looking for, looking to rather a new starter opposite him, probably redshirt freshman Isaiah Guy, who has played pretty well. He's he's played a decent amount of snaps this season. I think he's a pretty good player, but they will be without those guys. Um, this is the uh, th- this is the matchup that Utah State I think will be looking to attack, even with you know down some guys in the passing game. Still have Josh Durser at tight end. Still have obviously Jalen Royals and Terrell Vaughn at wide receiver. A uh, chance for for Colby Bowman to step into the lineup. Wouldn't mind seeing some younger guys as well get some get some run out there, and I think that that is a distinct possibility. But even with those injuries, even with those guys out, this is a this is a pass defense that just hasn't been very good. They don't create a ton of pressure. They struggle with just down to down stuff. They they've been I think success rate yeah passing play success rate they're 118th for success rate allowed. Uh, there's a lot of room to work against these guys. They don't generate a ton of big plays, and though they've been able to avoid giving up a lot of big plays through the air, that's about all they've been able to do. It's it's pretty easy to pass on them, and I would guess Utah State is going to do so happily. I think Utah State's more than willing to do yeah. that. <clears throat> yeah, they're, they're certainly going to try. As you mentioned, we're down Micah Davis, who's been, I think, a really, really solid like number three guy. If he's as we kind of have said on the show, if he's your third best wide receiver, um, that means you're going to cause a lot of uh, matchup issues on on you know for the for the team playing you. Um, so so losing him even even as a as a probably third target um, is pretty significant. But I think you can look you know that that combined with of course uh, Brock Lane being out, but I think we have guys like Otto Tia and, and Colby Bowman that will probably be able to step up into that role. Uh, and then, uh, as you mentioned, Josh Sturzer is, is pretty formidable at that tight end spot. Um, the thing here is just uh, the same as it's been all year. It feels like we said it. Uh, I mean, we did say it all season, but uh, you just got to give give him time to throw. Um, it's it's Levi's a lot tougher. He can take hits better um, probably than, than uh, just about anybody on the field, but you still got to give them time to throw. That's going to be probably the issue. Uh, if they can keep, if they can keep him upright, he's he's going to be able to throw the ball around. I mean, we are talking about a guy who was he was third string all year, third string for a reason. Um, I have, I, you know, I, I've talked about his arm uh, in in maybe not the most flattering way in the past, but I, I don't think he's uh, he's a good he's a good football player. Yeah. Levi Williams is a great quarterback. He is third string for a reason, but he's one of the better third string quarterbacks. Um, like you said, he's he's had experience in this bowl that shows us um, that he probably shouldn't be a third string quarterback, and he played really really well to close out the season. Yeah. So, I I think the the ability from Levi is there. The, the the depth on the receiving core is still there, even even as you're down Micah Davis uh, and Brock Lane. But um, just got to keep him upright. Got to give him time to throw, and that's that's what it's been all year. Doesn't matter who we play. The, that offensive line it helps coming, but it's not this year. The transfer portal isn't quite as immediate uh, as that. Um, it's more immediate than it used to be, but you can't quite uh, suit them up for this game. You've got to yeah. keep them upright. That's been a problem all year, but 
if they can do that, I think Levi's going to throw the ball all over. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree with that. And I think that, I mean, the the small sample size that we have of Levi this season, really, you, it's it would not even be fair to judge him on the end of the game at New Mexico, given the weather, given how, how nasty it was and how you just really couldn't throw in the second half or the overtime periods. In the first half, he was throwing the ball all over the place. I thought he was playing really well. Um, and if the weather permits, as I said, it's always a little bit dicey this time <laughs> of year. Know. Um, you don't know exactly what that's going to be. I'm sure that they would have maybe preferred a trip to like Myrtle beach or something. Uh, <laughs> yeah. for, for, wouldn't we, wouldn't we all? Yeah. For that. But, uh, what are you going to do? This is the one that they got. Um, yeah. if the, weather... as of right now, it, it, it can change a lot as of right now, it looks cold, but it shouldn't yeah. be any precipitation. Shouldn't be too windy, but yeah, that can change on a dime. We, we know that. And that, that's still a few days out. So that's. I don't know how accurate that would be. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you, circumstantially, three hours east out in, in Pocatello, it's very nice today. It's mid-40s. <laughs> yeah. hasn't snowed in a couple of days. Snow is starting to melt. Um, it's been beautiful. It's been beautiful the last couple of days. Hopefully yeah. it, will, it will remain that way, and, and that'll stay true a little bit further west. Um, but, uh, yeah, if, if that if that's the case, I think they should be able to throw the ball around plenty. I, I would really like to see one of the – one of the receivers we've not seen really at all this year who I would like to just see, see what he looks like, see what he plays like in this kind of game. Uh, I don't think it would burn a red shirt or anything is Grant Page, the Colorado transfer. Um, young guy, talented player, would would be interested in what he could do in this game. I don't know if he's ready for that level of, of you know <laughs> responsibility, but if you're without your third guy, and you are, they don't have Micah Davis, um, I've not seen anything from Colby Bowman this year that makes me think that you can't take him off the field for, you know, trying some stuff out. I don't think it's going to make a huge like, oh, well you're 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 taking a you're, you're you're taking a dominant player off the field like you're not really. He's he's struggled this season. Um and so I, I would like to see I'd like to see some Grant Page. I think that that would be interesting. I think that you know, Utah State is obviously going to be looking for new guys stepping up into the rotation at wide receiver next season, not looking for a ton. <laughs> the rotation is going to be fairly, yeah. fairly stable. I think that they do have likely a, a guy that they're going to add in this portal class or this Juco class. Uh, but that's, I mean, it's a pretty set room at this point would be nice to see somebody like Grant Page, maybe a Kahanu Davis, some of those guys who have been, uh, you know, around this year but haven't really played a whole lot. I'd be just interested in what they could, what they could do, what they would look like. Kyrie Rowan is another guy. He's played a little bit. I would not be, I'd not be surprised if he plays, you know, something of a role in this game as well. Um, but curious to see what that rotation looks like. Um, Georgia State, the, the 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 line is definitely the it's the concern as it has been all year. Yeah, there are yeah, absolutely. There are a couple of notable pass rushers here. Um, being without Hunter does take one of them away, and and he, I mean, he's done everything for this defense. There are still guys like defensive end Javon Dennis is, is you know good player. He he's been he's at four sacks. That's tied for the the lead on this team along with outside linebacker edge rusher Kevin Swint um nose guard uh Henry Bryant is pretty good he's a big guy he's like six I've got it here um yeah 60290 uh they have a decent amount of size in general on the defensive line especially with McCollum out they they move in 
uh, Anthony Bloom, who's 6'3", 297 as a defensive end. That's a big defensive end. Uh, and this is, uh, this is basically, it's, it's kind of a variable 3-4 defense, 3-5 defense, something, something along those lines, 3-3-5, um, can be a 4-2-5, but still, that's a, that's a big end. That's a big inside end. Um, but there's just not a ton of playmakers in, in the pass rushing game. The linebackers, Justin Abraham and Josiah Robinson are capable, haven't been asked to do it a ton. They don't blitz a ton. When they have blitz, they haven't been super successful. Defense is 86th and Havoc rate. Um, they are 49th in front seven Havoc rate and they, the front seven is somewhat intact. Obviously losing Hunter changes that a, a decent amount, but there, there are guys here who can make plays. It is not a murderer's row. This is not one of the best defensive lines that Utah State will have seen right. this season. Yeah. Utah State has also struggled against worse lines than this one. There's talent yeah, here. There's size yeah. and talent and athleticism here. But there's not really that one guy you point to as like, oh, he is he is a troublemaker. He, he is a mm-hmm. guy you will have to solve for. They just don't really have that elite edge rusher or interior pass rushing presence on this team. There's a bunch of guys who are capable, but nobody who's really gone beyond that this season. Yeah, I think that's that's probably a fair assessment. But, I mean, like you said, Utah State has, has struggled against worse lines than this. But then again, like we, I think, looked really, really good against teams that have been bigger up front. But it's it's just so hard to tell what our offensive line is capable of. Like I said, we got help on the way from the portal, but you know, the group we have right now has been uh, anything but reliable. Um, I wouldn't expect that to, to change giving this, um, given this lineup that we're facing. Um, but it's certainly not like a murderer's row. It's not something that I'm not losing sleep over it. Um, or at least any more than I, I was before every game for the same reason. Yeah. It's, it's not a particularly good, uh, defensive line. Um, but they're 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 formidable. They're good. They've been playmakers. They've been they've been formidable. Like yeah. you said. Yeah. They've they also the, this line and this defensive front in general, they're better against the run than they are against the pass. That's been the case all year. This is a pretty good run defense. Yeah. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Um mm-hmm. but this is it's a workable matchup. It's not. There's no. There's no such thing as an ideal matchup for this offensive line and pass protection, uh, other than just like Idaho State. Um, but it's not. This is not a lost cause. You can win this matchup <laughs> if if push comes yeah. to shove. If your guys show up, if they play well, um, a, a a solid performance, I think, from the offensive line would probably get the job done in keeping Levi upright they don't need to be perfect here um in coverage the linebackers are now liabilities hunter is a really good coverage linebacker they won't have him abraham and robinson who i mentioned earlier not good in coverage uh nor is the number three linebacker uh jordan venziel uh, he they're they're all run stoppers they they're decent enough athletes they're just not very good in coverage it's not been their main job and and with hunter there he's really kind of covered that up I think it's going to be mostly the work of the back five. Uh, Pringle, as I mentioned, good cornerback one. I like Isaiah Guy a lot. He is a redshirt freshman, but he's played a decent amount this year. Um, and then the safeties, Tyge Leach and Jeremiah Johnson, both solid. Leach is the coverage guy of the two. Johnson's more of a box safety. Um, the, <laughs> the player I would point to um, as sort of a, uh, a find-the-fish candidate, <laughs> if we're talking about hunting matchups, 
uh, Ronald Cooper in the slot. He's a, he's an older guy. He's an experienced guy. He's a junior. He has not played well this year. He's just, he's really struggled. He has been kind of the weak point of a coverage unit that has had a couple weak points, but he has been, he's been an issue for them. And I think he probably, given the matchup, given the presence of, of Terrell Vaughn, I think he's probably going to be a pretty big part of this game and not in a positive way for, for Georgia state. Yeah. He has been, yeah. he's been yeah. a problem for them. And there, that's another place where I think Utah state can really lean on, on this team with its, with the advantages that it does have. And Terrell Vaughn presents a pretty big advantage against Ronald Cooper. That's a favorable matchup yeah. for the Aggies. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You're, you're, you're going to hunt him a little bit. Um, and I mean, T- Terrell Vaughn creates mismatches game in game out. He, that's just what he does. He's very, very good. Um, this is a very favorable matchup. It could, uh, yeah, Ronald Cooper is not going to like the uh, the contribution that he's going to put into this game. I don't think it's no. it's going to be a tough one. Yeah, especially when you're also asking that secondary. This is a secondary that plays a decent amount in run support. We're going to talk about that again, as I said, in a little bit. Right. Yeah. Um, that's a lot to ask uh, of these guys against those receivers, and and it's going to be it's going to be a tall task, I think, for this for this Georgia State defense against a Utah State offense that even with its struggles on the offensive line, which are many, um, the offense has been pretty good. <laughs> you know, the offense has scored points at a decent rate, and I think it probably is is primed to do so again in. Uh, in, in this one, barring collapse uh, up front, which is always worth mentioning that there could be collapse yeah. up front, but um, yeah. I, I would not, I wouldn't bank on it. There's nothing, there's nothing in this defense in this, in this passing defense specifically, that is especially scary. I, I think Utah state has a pretty clear advantage there. Um, yeah, uh, I would agree. Now on the other side of that coin, <laughs> the Georgia state passing attack against the Utah state pass defense, uh, some, again, key players out on both sides for Utah State. Of course, safety Devin Dye is gone. He has announced that he's transferring to Kansas, where he will be reuniting yep. with his brother. Um, yep. Seems like a good landing spot. I like Lance Leipold. I like Kansas as a program. Good for him. Uh, but Utah yeah. State will yeah, be without I like that. I yeah, like that for him. Utah State will be without him. They will be without Anthony Switzer at linebacker, who is done for the year with, I think it's, uh, I, I, I know he had a hand injury. Um, I believe he has a foot injury now and I don't think he, I, I think he broke a bone. I don't, I, I was, I was, uh, multitasking yesterday while doing the press conference. Cause I was also editing a story. Um, but he has a broken bone in either his hand or his foot. Uh, regardless, he's not playing, uh, nor is Avante Dickerson at cornerback. He's been out for a couple weeks now. I believe yeah. he had, he had surgery. Um, and so Utah State would be without those guys. So depth going to be kind of a question mark in the secondary for Utah State. And, and I think that there are, you know, there are players who can step into those immediate roles. Obviously at corner, J.D. Drew and, and Michael Onyanwu are not new to the starting lineup and, and they can they can probably handle themselves. Um, linebacker. I don't know exactly who you plug in for Anthony Switzer. I guess maybe yeah, maybe yeah. Cole Joyce. There's, there's only one. There's yeah. only one. Yeah, maybe Cole Joyce, maybe Gavin Barthiel. You hope that MJ Tafisi's fully healthy, um, which has been a you know a question mark at times this season. I don't know exactly what that what that looks like. And then at safety, without Switzer, I think it's probably gonna be Simeon Harris opposite 
Ike Larson. Um, and I think that that honestly is probably a better role for Harris than where he's been playing this year as more of a nickelback. I think that Francois, Jaden Francois, probably takes the majority of the reps at nickelback and uh, Harris steps back into more of a safety role. I'm ju- I'm curious to see what that looks like because you do start to you start to play guys in positions where they haven't really played a lot this season. And yeah. this is a yeah. this is a Georgia State passing attack that's without its top receiver, Robert Lewis. He's the best deep threat on the team comfortably. He's really the only deep threat on the team. Seventy receptions, mm-hmm. eight hundred and seventy seven yards, seven touchdowns, good player. Uh he's he's in the portal as are uh, both of their starting tackles are, are out in this game and center Avery Reese is as well. So three new starters on the offensive line. Top running back is out, Marcus Carroll. So there's 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 issues on that side too, but this is a pretty good passing attack with a really good quarterback, and Utah State is playing some guys in new spots, and it's not been a good pass defense in general this year. Yeah. I'm, I'm worried about that. That's a that's a troubling <clears throat> matchup. Yeah, this is this is a question mark on both sides of the ball, I think. This is one that this could go every which way, and I think it's just what this game is is gonna entail. Um, Devin Dye, Anthony Switzer, Avante Dickerson, those are guys you'd rather have um, on the field, but they're they're not like none of them on their own um, being out would really be uh, a huge concern. What where the concern comes in is I think that's a pretty tough trio of guys when you put them together. Um, as we talked about, Devin Dye transferring, he's he's a great player. You know, he's going to be going and playing. Uh, power five ball in Kansas. I think it's well-deserved. He's a, he's a good player. Um, but one of the main, main things we talked about there was, Oh, that's, that's fine because it lets, uh, it, it puts Anthony Switzer in a position that he's more natural in. Um, that advantage goes right out the window when, when Anthony Switzer doesn't play. So that, that yeah. it, it is a tough trio of guys to lose all at once. Um, but again, I, I do think the Utah state defense is, is deep enough that I think, this doesn't kill you, uh, especially with all the question marks on the other side of the ball with 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 Georgia State here. Um, I'm not super sure what to expect from guys like Simeon Harris playing in positions that you know they're, they're moving around. But especially with you know we've seen the thing we've seen with this defense is it's a lot of talented, talented guys. Um, that sometimes are um, maybe not following the best game plan is, yeah. is how I would put that. Yeah. Um, and so that 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 could be that could be a concern. I, there's no there's no concern for me about the talent level of you know a Simeon Harris, but there is there is some concern about the the preparation that's maybe going into this defense, having guys play yeah. significant snaps a position that they haven't been in all year or at all you know what i mean yeah and it's it's not helped really by the new schedule that's set up for early december for coaches um <laughs> like utah state's coaches haven't been there there that's not yeah that's, that's not true. what you yeah. do in early december now you're on the road you know you're yeah, doing they, recruiting yeah, trips you are not there. yeah you are not there I, I it is it's been pretty recent that those guys got back in the building um and utah state i mean has practiced and is practicing and will yeah, continue yeah, yeah. to practice but it's not like utah state has been preparing for this like it's a playoff game where you know you're 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 scheming it up you've got all the answers that you need to have you've got several weeks to do all this and to to prepare for a huge matchup like this is 
not an afterthought, but it's certainly not the primary focus in, in early December right now. The primary focus is building your team for next year. Um, and yeah. I think that Utah yeah. State, I don't think that Utah State learned that the hard way last year because Utah State was on the road still last year. They were doing this last year. But I, I do think that the the priorities have shifted at least a little bit given what happened last year toward keeping everybody together, keeping everybody in the right place, keeping everybody where they should be, and then supporting that with big additions in the portal and big additions on the, you know, on the JUCO ranks and uh, even in the high school ranks as well. Um, the, the early signing period is just about to start. And that has been the focus is, is closing this class out, not fully because there's still another signing day to come in February, but closing this class out the right way and making sure that everybody is where they're supposed to be within the program, <laughs> making sure that guys are at, you know, they're they're in the building and they're not in the transfer portal. And that has been a larger focus yeah. than like making sure that Simeon Harris knows exactly what to do when he sees X play from Georgia State. They're doing that preparation yeah. now, but it's not yeah. really it's not really an extended preparation. It's pretty much a regular game week it's you you get a little extra time but it's not quite as much time as you might as you might think basically um yeah that's exactly right yeah yeah well and and to to that point um they've done a great job like the coaches are doing a good job at what they're doing i mean if you look at what we've done in the transfer portal we're we're largely um not getting hurt by it we've brought in some guys i think we i'm i'm pretty excited about the recruiting class bringing in so yeah they're having success there, but I mean, you just can't be two places at once. And that's yeah. just, that's just the, the fact of the matter. So if they're out there, you know, they, this is, this is one place where they're going to be a victim of their own success here a little bit, because they are having a lot of success, keeping guys where they're supposed to be and going out and bringing guys into this program. But if they're having success there, that means they're not at home coaching these guys up, you know, yeah. Jaden Francois, Simeon Harris, um, in particular, you know, the two kind of guys that we've, we've talked about here, um, but the whole defense in general, really, um, they, you know, if you're, if you're bringing guys in, you're not a home coach, not coaching yeah. them up. So that is changing now. Obviously they're, they're in Boise, they're practicing, but th- that is a concern that, that is, that is yeah. something to, to keep in mind. It's a defense, uh, particularly that is not looked overly prepared for some games and they are, their coach has been <laughs> yeah. on the road. And yeah. they're missing some key guys. So yeah. and, there's and something of, to watch. And of course that goes both ways. Georgia State's it coaches does, yeah, have yeah. also been they're not, you know, their preparation level is not going to be any higher than Utah State's. They've also been out trying to fill holes and, and trying to keep everything together. And right. they yeah. are, as I said, you know, working with some pretty big uh players out. You know, they they've got both tackles out Montavious Cunningham at right tackle Travis Glover at left tackle and then uh, I believe that those are both opt-outs I think Cunningham's in the portal Glover's going to the NFL um, and then Avery Reese at center is injured and I don't think he's going to be playing um, and that's that's just on the line that's not even to mention Robert Lewis as I said Marcus Carroll as I said at halfback um, so, so they, they have some of the same stuff going on at, at Georgia State uh, that that said, I think the most important part of this passing attack is still intact, and that would be Darren Granger at, at quarterback. Um, really, yeah, yeah. really, really good player. Very difficult guy to prepare for, very difficult guy to handle. He's been excellent for them for several years now. Um, completed 67% of his passes this year for 2,364 yards, about seven yards an attempt, 17 touchdowns, seven interceptions. 
Uh, he's a big guy, big arm, 6'4", 225. He can really stretch a, a, you know, a defense vertically. That is going to be a, a, a point of serious interest here without Lewis, who is the guy who he was stretching the field to. There's really not... There's really not a natural replacement for Lewis on this roster. Um, there are experienced receivers here, guys who have started this season, guys who have played this a lot this season. Uh, Jakari Carter is one who stands out. Uh, Tyleek Williams has been here. Uh, Kadarius Thomas has been here. Uh, Jakaius Craydull has been here. Those those guys can play. Those guys have experience. Uh, tight end Amon Green has been pretty solid for them as well this year. There are pass catchers. Um, but there's not, there's not really that, that super athletic, fast guy who can beat you down the field. I, I think Craydoll is probably the, the closest approximation they have. He's not played a ton this year. He is experienced. I think he's been dealing with some injury stuff. Um, and, and then Williams is, he's a big play guy, but it's not catching the ball down the field. He's a big play guy with yards after the catch. He's a big play guy right. catching the ball underneath and then making you miss. Um, and so there are still capable targets here. There are still good players within this receiving core, but they are really, I think they're going to miss the star. I think that they're, it's, it's hard to replace your top guy. Um, especially when you are also losing, you know, a, a pretty significant part of the passing attack from your halfback. Marcus Curl was a, a good receiver for this team out of the backfield and his backup is also in the portal. And so they're going to be leaning We'll talk about this more in a second, but they're going to be leaning on Freddie Brock at halfback, and he really just hasn't played for them this season. Um, the, his his skill set is such that he can probably do some of that, but they have Georgia State has some similar uh, holes to fill and, and question marks with who are going to fill those holes, and, and it does not get any easier when you're talking about a line that has already had some issues being without three starters. I, I think that Georgia State has some similar stuff to work through here. Yeah, I think so. I think um, you got to give a lot of credit to their quarterback, Darren Granger, like you mentioned. Um, he's a very, very good quarterback. Yeah, you you, <clears throat> you you mentioned his stats. It's worth repeating. He's over 2,000 yards. 67% completion rate is, is very, very good. Um, he's thrown – how many touchdowns? I was just looking uh, – 17, 17, yeah. 17 touchdowns to seven interceptions. Very, very good quarterback. Uh, you mentioned he's always been a good quarterback here, um, but he made a jump. He's been here – he's been in Georgia State for two years. He was hovering around a 59-58 completion, uh, percent completion rate uh, for his first two years and has really made the jump. He's – a 67% completion rate is very, very good. Yeah. Um, he's going to be missing his stars. Like you said, there's, there's no way around that that's – <laughs> you, you need your stars. Um, but I, I still, there's still one guy that makes me a little bit nervous. Um, that's Tyreek Williams. He's not their, their guy, uh, but his skill set, I think going into kind yeah. of what we were talking about on our side of the ball. Um, this is a defense that we, we have two types of defenses. We have, we'd never know what one's going to show up until halftime, really until we've seen them play a little bit. Um, sometimes they show up ready to tackle and wrap up and sometimes they don't. Um, if the wrong defense shows up, if our guys are showing up not ready to wrap up, uh, Williams can do some damage. He's a guy that, that gets a lot of yards after the catch, um, which I think could match up unfavorable, unfavorably for the Aggies um, if Utah State doesn't show up ready to wrap up. And I think with some of those preparation issues that we talked about, um, I'm looking at Tyleek Williams as, as a guy that could, that could cause some problems. 
um, stepping up into a bigger role with Darren Granger, fantastic quarterback. Yeah, yeah. Five nine one seventy seven for Williams. He is slippery. He's fast. He's quick. He's a really good athlete. He has great hands. Run good. Runs good routes. I really like him. I, I think that he. Yeah. I, I, if not for the presence of Lewis, I think he could easily have been, you know, a, a wide receiver one for them this year. He has that level of talent. Um, he's a good player. Yeah. They, they still, this yeah. is a, like, I, I, it's, it, it is worth, um, saying this as like an overarching thing that applies to everybody and everything that we talk about with this Georgia state team. The Sun Belt is a talented conference. This is, yeah, this that's, is an, oh my goodness. This is a yeah. good, this is a good conference. I think that this was pretty I, easily. I can't the, believe we got into this yeah. so far without, I mean, we, we both, I mean, we've talked about it a lot. We, we both are really high on the Sun Belt. They are yeah. very good. Yeah. To, to go to, you know, to go six and six to end the year, the way that they did is obviously not what they were, <laughs> yeah. what they were looking for, yeah. but like, the Sun Belt East is not an easy league. Everybody in no. this is not an easy division. The Sun Belt's not an easy league. Everybody in that division is bowling. Everybody in that division went to a yeah. bowl game. All but two teams in the conference went to a bowl game. Um, and, and you look at yeah, Sun the Sun Belt had more had the most bowl teams yeah. in in FBS football this year. Yeah, right? like and, and you, I think I saw that. Yeah, you look at some. I, I believe they Man. did. And you you look at some of the losses down the stretch. Like they lost to Troy, which I think won eleven games and won the conference. Um, won ten games. Yeah, I, they won eleven games. They could win twelve games. Um, that's a really good program. And uh, they lost to you know Georgia Southern on the road, bowl team. They lost to James Madison at home, ranked one of the best G five teams in the country, if not the best G five team in the country. They lost to App State. Um, which was in the conference championship game, and then they lost at LSU and at Old Dominion by a point. They 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 did not lose to LSU by a point, but they did lose at Old Dominion by a point, and that's another bowl team. <laughs> and so this is a yeah. this is a good league. This is a league that has a ton of athletes, a ton of talent. Obviously, a really good oh, yeah. place to recruit. You could do a lot worse <laughs> than yeah. than being in uh, Atlanta. They like they're 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 in Atlanta. They're a G five program in Atlanta. That's a good place to be. That's a good place to get that's a lot a, of that's talent. Solid. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so there is there is a depth of talent here. There's a level of athleticism here that would be, I think, right up there at the top of the of the Mountain West. And that's not to that's not to put the Mountain West down. The Sun Belt is the best G five conference, and it has been for a couple of years now. It certainly was this year. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, yeah. Especially with the way that the American has been kind of torn up. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, they are. They are. We wanted the Mountain West to step into that role. There was an opportunity for the conference to do that. Um, the Sun Belt just snatched it away. Yeah. They, they they are very good. And I, I just double checked by the way, the Sun Belt does have more bowl eligible teams than any other conference. They have twelve. Yeah. Um, the Mountain West has seven, which is honestly a pretty good year for the Mountain West. It's not bad. Um, the uh, um, yeah, the American, which we just talked about, had six. The Big Twelve had nine. Pac twelve had eight. ACC had eleven. Yeah. SEC only nine. Yeah. Big Ten had nine. They are the Sun Belt is is a legit league. They yeah. are so good. Yeah, and, and so I do have <laughs> there's a, just kind of a baseline level of concern that I do have with that of like the circumstances are not exactly the same, but we did see Utah State go into a bowl game last year in what didn't look like like a super favorable matchup, but looked like a a game that they could be competitive in against a Memphis team that had struggled, yeah. a Memphis team that had had some issues and and had some pretty clear weaknesses. And Utah State just got ran off the field, and yeah. that team was in a very different place than this one is uh, mentally, <laughs> with the level of of focus 
and the you know the injuries and and whatever 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 you want to say um but utah state was not competitive in that game and and that is i don't think it's a huge concern like i think utah state's going to be competitive in this game certainly but it is yeah. a concern that that's the kind of that's the kind of talent that we're talking about here that's the kind of athleticism that we're talking about here and it does require even with some key guys out, uh, a, a, you know, a level of, of discipline that has been hit or miss <laughs> from from this yeah, Utah State good way to put it from yeah. this Utah State defense, um, and that's you know that's that's going to be the case with this passing game and and carries over into the Georgia State rushing attack, which is yeah. down the same guys, you know, down three starting linemen, down crucially Marcus Carroll at halfback. Uh, who rushed for 1,350 yards, 13 touchdowns on 274 carries. That's pretty good. <laughs> that's a pretty good That's, that's, a pretty good that's all right. Um, yeah, that's and all so right. they're going to be missing him. They're going to be missing his backup, KZ, yeah. or KZ Adams. Um, but the guy who they're plugging in is a senior, Freddie Brock, six carries, 31 yards on the year. But... Uh, the reason he's here, he transferred into the program this past offseason after being an all-conference level running back at Maine. He he played at Maine. He played a lot at Maine. He was really good there. He's you know, he's an, another good athlete. It's another guy who is a he's a good player, and I think that he can probably you know I, I it's not like they're you know it's not like they're just plugging in some scrub. Like he's a good player. <laughs> that he that he didn't play much this year is a testament to the level of talent that they had in the room. Um, that talent has been depleted, but he's still, he's still capable. Um, and then that's made that much more dangerous. And I think that the, the tackle losses are made a little bit more manageable for Georgia state by the fact that, uh, Darren Granger, who again, six four two twenty five, uh, he rushed 135 times this year for 625 yards and eight touchdowns yeah. without sacks. It's 109 for seven thirty one, which is almost six yards a carry. Uh, the the easiest I think comparison I could make that would register that would make sense to people is like Darren Granger is like if Taylor Green was good. It's like if Taylor Green was, <laughs> was a good quarterback. That's what you get with Darren Granger. He's Taylor Green level athleticism with uh, like a good quarterback uh, brain, basically. <laughs> I I had no idea where you were going with that. Um, wow, that's that's funny. That's. Okay, I can see that. If Taylor Green was good at football. Yeah. Um, yeah, th- like we, we talked about Darren Granger when we were talking about his ability to throw the ball. Very impressive. His ability to run is maybe more impressive. Honestly, yeah. he has 135 carries, 625 yards, as you said. He has the second most carries on this team. Uh, and I think this is something to look at, too. Marcus Carroll, their their lead, you know, their, their bell cow running back, is out. He was the guy. He had 274 carries. Um, the next running back, Casey Adams, had 35. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was a, he was a bell That cow. is a huge difference. And he's, by the way, out too. Yeah. So they're going from they're going from a guy who had 274 carries to a guy who has had six. Yeah. I mean, this is he was the guy. Um, and so Darren Granger is going to be the most experienced running like rusher. Um, in this game, really, he's at a, he's 135 carries. So, yeah. um, there's talent there. You know, you talk about Freddie Brock; he's he's very talented. He's very good. Um, Darren Granger is still going to be very very good, but mm-hmm. missing Marcus Carroll is just going to be huge for these guys. That that yeah. is a a big blow. He was he was definitely the lead rusher. Um, 
it's it's you're going to be able to tell that they're missing a piece on that side of the ball. Yeah, I mean, he he was one of the best running backs in America this year. It's it's not yeah. there's no there's no replacing that guy. There's no replacing that level of of skill and experience. He's been that guy for them. Like this this is this is a really good halfback in in a league with a lot of really good halfbacks. He was right up there with <laughs> yeah. the best of them. Yeah. Um. He he's an excellent player, and they will miss him. But it is like like this is uh this is another one of those where the matchup is more favorable than it could be. You know, it, it, it's, it's, it's a better situation for Utah State than if all things were completely equal and everybody was on the field. Um, because I, I don't know. I, I, the answer would be that they wouldn't uh, for how do you stop this rushing attack with Marcus Carroll also playing you you don't you nobody has and yeah, I, I don't think they, we saw what, yeah, yeah I don't I mean, think that Utah State wasn't would. even healthy when he played us so we couldn't stop him oh man so yeah yeah I'm, yeah. I'm looking up Ashton Gentry right now actually because I want to how how do they compare yards wise like what have they done oh uh, I, I think Carroll has more yards he also played more um, Carroll's gonna have a lot more yeah yeah but Gentry is probably the closest thing that we had to that type of yeah, running back in the conference. Yeah, there was I, nobody. Yeah, Cros- there was not somebody in the Mountain West that did what what Marcus Carroll could do this. Year. No, Krosky Merritt is a decent comparison. Out, you know, just just played against New Mexico. Um, yeah, yeah. Like there are some some guys who who come to mind for that, but there's not. I, I think that the San Jose State rushing attack and and those two backs, you know, Kyrie Robinson and and Quali Conley are probably. They're yeah. not that level, but they are like that's a that's a really good rushing game, and that was one that, like we're, we're rattling off these examples here, George Halani as well, and 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 Genty in uh, spurts against against Boise State, like these are the the highest level comparisons we probably have, and yeah. Utah State did nothing good against any of those guys. It was not. It was yeah. Not this is favorable. not a good comparison that, that we're no. Like. So actually, Ashton Ash Genty actually has. Uh, thirteen hundred forty-seven. Oh my gosh! Um, In like oh, nine games, so good. he is so <laughs> unbelievably oh, good. Man. We're getting off topic here, yeah, but my goodness, I, and he's back next year for Boise, of course. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. So that compares pretty favorably. He has seven more yards than Marcus Carroll. Um, Marcus Carroll averaged four point nine. Looks like Genty averaged six point one. But we we knew that. We knew he was a yeah. he was a big yardage guy. Um, so yeah, I mean that's a, that's a fair comparison. Not not necessarily from the type of player they are, but just. From a production standpoint, yeah. um, we're looking at a, a guy who, you know, they are missing a guy who produces as much as Ashton Gentry. So yeah. that that's it, a big loss. Yeah, big and, loss and they are they are without a proven George Halani, right? There could be. There <laughs> yeah, could, like, yeah, good like point. Brock, good point. Freddie Brock, is probably good. Uh, you know, if the main uh, tenure is any experience or is any you know is any good reference like he's a good player he has not he's not a George Halani like George Halani was a, a starter for Boise State it was a second starter basically um, yeah and then yeah, they had a third sure. guy in that the freshman uh, Dubar who could have also been a starter <laughs> like that, that's yeah it's, it's not quite that level but Brock is a good player and they've they've run the ball well and it's not ever a favorable matchup for Utah State when we're talking about a quarterback who runs the ball as well as Darren Granger does. They just haven't defended that well. They've not. They've yeah, not had no, great they, they answers for quarterbacks who can run. I don't, especially on third and long. No, oh my no, especially on third and long. And so I don't. <laughs> he's he's going to have hundred yards on third and long alone. Yeah. So I don't love that. He's Darren Granger. Yeah. Yeah. I don't love that matchup. This was the ninth most explosive rushing attack in the country this year. Success rate was much lower. They were 115th, but they created a ton of big plays and. 
and a lot of those came from Granger. He's still involved. As long as he's still involved, it's going to be an issue. It, it's going to be an issue. It's going to be something that Utah State is more, I think, just looking to mitigate <laughs> than it is yeah. looking to stop. There's no stopping him. There's no, there's no beating him, you know, straight up. You can't spying him is not going to do the job because he's better than your spy and he has been all season for defenses better than this one um i think one of the only teams that actually really slowed this rushing attack down was james madison which had the best run defense in the country um yeah that's yeah. not gonna that's not gonna be the case and, and so i think that it is just georgia state's offense is gonna get its points is you know gonna get some yards is gonna make plays is is going to put points on the board the, the question here for utah state is can you make them drive? Because <laughs> driving has been kind of an issue for this offense. Success rate has not been great in general. They're 88th overall in success rate. Um, they've struggled on standard downs a lot, 111th. Um, and so if you can make them drive, if you can make them work for it, and just get your offense some rest, <laughs> not make your offense you know, go right back out on right back out onto the field after 75-yard touchdown run after 75-yard touchdown run, then you're in much better shape because I think Utah State can win a shootout here and, and probably has yeah. to. But if it's a shootout where Utah State is driving down the field and is forced to work for it, which is probably the case, this is not a defense that has been super easily gashed this year for Georgia State. Um, if you're trading long drives for two, three-play touchdown drives for Georgia State, it's not favorable. Utah State's defense doesn't need to be great. It needs to be in the right place. It needs to make them work for it. It needs to. Yeah. It needs to be red zone touchdowns, not giant. You know, fifty-six yard gains, seventy-five yard gains, whatever it is. It's got to be drives. It can't just be the big plays. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that. That's definitely true. Um, you got to get you got to get off the field on, on defense, and then you got to yeah make them work for it on on offense. Uh, you got to keep them keep them honest there. Because uh, if you're if you're gonna just give up, I mean, and we've given up explosive plays. I mean, even against New Mexico, we were, you know, there was just times where the couldn't get couldn't get them to stop. Um, those are going to be more costly against a Georgia State team than than probably just about anybody on our schedule, at least in the conference. I mean, those are Georgia State's going to make you pay a lot more than New Mexico did, and you, you had to go to overtime to beat New Mexico. Yeah, yeah, it can't be. It can't be another. It can't be another New Mexico. It just can't be. The the defense has to be more the defense has to be more solid than it than it was in that game. Um yeah. the uh the last of the four here would be the Utah State rushing attack against the Georgia State run defense. Um this is the one for Utah State's that, that, that for Utah State that is, you know, healthiest. It seems like all of the halfbacks are good to go here. Uh Davon Booth, Roswell Faison, uh, Robert Briggs, I, I have not seen anything to indicate that those three are not able to play in this game. Levi obviously was a big part of the rushing attack as well against New Mexico and, and can do that when needed. Um, being without Brock Lane and, and Micah Davis as perimeter blockers hurts, but is not irreplaceable. You can deal with it. Um, but Georgia State also <laughs> not missing a ton of pieces from its run defense. This has been a good run defense. They are missing their leading tackler in Hunter, and, and I think that he is a pretty big part of why they were so good at avoiding big plays on the ground defensively. Yeah. I think yeah. he covered up some weaknesses, and so there will be opportunity there. This is a run defense that has had some issues with those those just missed assignments and big plays as a result, um, and, and I think that being without Hunter is going to – 
to sting there and, and that Utah State has that opportunity. This has been a pretty explosive rushing attack. Um, but the size up front is is difficult. <laughs> it's going to be difficult to work with. This is a defense that on a per-play basis has been really good on the ground, 45th in success rate. Uh, they're 10th in power success allowed, so those short, like, 4th and 1, 3rd and 1, they just don't they don't lose those battles a ton. They've been good in stuff, yeah. right? The line is solid, even without McCollum. As I said, you know, Henry Bryan is 6'0", 290. Uh, Anthony Bloom, 6'3", 297. Javon Dennis is 6'0", 272. And then they have, within the two deep, 6'1", 276, 6'3", 298, 6'2", 290, 6'1", 257. It's a big line. It's a big, talented line, and, and so it is going to be, I think, probably... One of those games where you need to be running outside, where you need to be making these linebackers without Hunter chase you down. Um, Robinson and, and, and Abraham have not, you know, they, they've played and, and they have experience and, and can, they can, they can hang uh, as can Vinziel, but make them do it, <laughs> you know, make them, make them do it, make the secondary be involved, make, make Jeremiah Johnson step up make Leach step up, Cooper step up, make those guys worry about the run so that you can then set up the passing game. There, There's there's room for Utah State to make plays here. The rushing attack has generally been solid. I think it'll probably, again, be solid here. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, I'm right there with you. I think I want to expect more out of the run game here than, than I probably should um, because I, I'm probably – wanting to put too much stock into uh hunter being out for for georgia state yeah um yeah 96 tackles then, on the year for him for reference yeah i mean that he's he's been very very good and then we're, we're bringing in our our entire stable it looks like i i haven't seen or heard anything um to indicate that that we won't be bringing our entire stable um but it's just that offensive or the the defensive line um it just those are concerns that I just can't shake. I just it's it's a tough way. It's tough. It's it's hard to get yards on the ground um, when you're just outmatched in the trenches. Um, I think we have the opportunity. We definitely have the opportunity to make some big plays here. Um, executing is always harder than you know harder than it than it sounds and harder than it should be. Yeah. Um, but with with Booth and Faison and Briggs, I, I think those guys should be able to you know bring in those three. Um, the opportunities there, and, and you got to be able to run the ball. I mean, even with how much we talked about how the the passing game should be falling into place here, you got to be able to run the ball, um, and you have the guys to do it. So you got to find a way to do that. Yep, yep. I think that that's going to be. I think that's going to be the key. And and as for how this one shakes out. Um, I don't really, I don't really have a great feel in, in either direction. I, yeah. I, you know, the, you never really with these, with this kind of matchup, um, at the end of the season, especially, you don't know exactly what the motivation factor looks like for either side. I would guess it's fairly high for Utah state given the level of continuity. Um, and you know, that, that, that could be, that could play a role, but again, the level of talent with with Georgia State is prohibitive and is difficult to work around. Um, I would guess it's probably close. I would guess it's probably pretty high scoring. Um, I think it's going to be an entertaining game. I don't have a great feel for who's going to win. I, I I would I would not be surprised if it comes down to the last couple minutes. If it comes down to the last possession or two, and that you know <laughs> we're talking about two veteran quarterbacks and and Darren Granger yeah. is. 
I would say probably better than Levi Williams. That is not an insult to Levi Williams. This is a really good yeah, no. this is a really good quarterback we're talking about here in Darren Granger. Yeah. And so I'd be inclined to trust him a little bit more in those moments, but I would also be inclined to trust Utah State's receivers a little bit more. Um I, I think it I think it's really and you know, I, I think it's probably about a toss up. Utah State has played well against the one Sunbelt team it played this year very nearly beat James Madison, very different team now than it was then, but still, you know, there's, there's a, there's a decent amount of carryover. There are guys who made plays in that game who can make plays in this game. I think if Utah State's defensive line is up for the battle, the lines in general are up for the battle. I would, I would say Utah State probably wins a close one. If the lines are an issue, um, then, it's going to be it's going to be tough sledding. It's going to be hard to win that game. Yeah, but yeah. I, I think the lines have a decent. I think the lines have a decent shot of of being capable here, and that's really what Utah State needs. I think if it gets it, Utah State wins a close one. Yeah, I, yeah. There's there's the opportunities there. I'm right there with you. I think it's it's hard to get a really good feel for this one. It seems like Utah State is fired up. It seems like with the the level of continuity from this year to to what next year is going to look like. Looks like guys are bought in and ready to play in this game, ready to play hard. Um, you just never know how a team like Georgia State is going to respond to some of the adversity that they're seeing right now. Um, they're so far unscathed by the, you know, the coaching carousel, uh, coaching carousel as far as I know. Yeah. Um, but the portal has not been kind to them. You just never know how guys like that are going to respond. Um, and they are very talented. They're very deep. We're talking about a Sun Belt team. Um, I am very scared of the Sun Belt. They're a very good conference. So I think it's close. I think Utah State has a chance to win. Um, I, I do like Utah State in the fourth quarter. I think they're a fourth quarter team. Um, they, they are energized. They, they don't run out of gas late in games and Levi Williams. Uh, I, it's hard to argue about, it's hard to argue against him. He doesn't run out of gas. He looks great in the, you know, in the overtime period of, of our last game against New Mexico. If it does go into the fourth, uh, I I like Utah State. I it could go either way. I think this is probably a close one, but I like Utah State in this matchup. I think Georgia State has enough going on. They're missing enough pieces that Utah State should be able to have the advantage there, and they should be able to take advantage. Uh, they they should be able to take advantage of. Uh, some of those missing pieces. Yeah, man, that would be a really cool send off for, uh, for for Levi Williams and for the small <laughs> yes, for the small yeah. senior class to close it out with a with a win. I, I think that there is certainly a, a motivation level to uh, to go and and get it done for you yeah. know for him for Holly for for the guys like that who have obviously been around for a while. Wade Meacham as well. Um, it's uh, it's a small senior class, but it's one that has been very important to the program. Michael Onyanwu, I, I don't I don't want to I'm not going to name the whole class, but um, you guys know you know who the players are, and it would be it would be really nice for Utah State to send them off the right way. Uh, I think it is a distinct possibility. Um, all right, let's talk basketball here. Let's uh, yeah, let's, let's do let's, it. Let's knock out the let's knock out the tough one here first let's knock okay. on the, the, let's, the news that's uh that's a little bit less positive um and that is an understatement because we are talking uh, about yeah. utah state 49 western colorado 51 uh, on the women's basketball side if you are not familiar with western colorado i don't blame you because this is a d2 team this is a bad d2 team this is their third win of the year they were two and eight coming into the spectrum and they leave with a win. Um, they erased a, I believe, a six-point deficit with not very much time left. I'm pulling up the exact 
metri- the exact measure. Yeah, it was a it was a six point Utah State lead, forty nine to forty three, with two minutes and twenty four seconds to play. Under two minutes, they still had that advantage, and then they fall by two at home. Um, they didn't play well really all game. They didn't really take any kind of control of the game. They were trailing for most of it. They took the lead in the fourth quarter and, and looked like they were going to escape, and then they didn't. They did not escape. They lost to a D2 team, a bad D2 team. Um, this is uh, this is bleak. This is, a, this is a pretty tough one here, Parker. This, this is a tough one. Uh, we are talking about a game um, yeah, they, they, so like you said, they didn't play well all game. Uh, they went into the uh, – they were down eight at the half, and they were lucky to be that close. I, I said as much kind of as, as I broke this game down on Twitter. Uh, they looked terrible uh, in the first <laughs> in the first half, to be honest. They were uh, losing the turnover battle. They were just giving the ball up. Um, they, they did not look good. They were getting played off the court in that first, first half. Um, kept it somehow close enough, you know, eight eight points, striking distance, began to cut into that into the third quarter. I think the third quarter ended with a one-possession game, Utah State down two. Um, Utah State comes back, and again, this was not a game that they took over. This was Utah State coming back um, just because Western Colorado is a Division II school um, and the the talent gap that is there or, or should be there. And I, I will say I think is there. I think there's some talented – talented uh, girls on this team um, just naturally the division one school caught up to and, and overtook the division two school um, but just couldn't hold on to the lead like you said blew a six-point lead late late in the game back-to-back threes um, from Rachel Cockman who's a very good basketball player for Western Colorado by the way she's very good and then Jada Jada Maves who also had a great game yeah um, just she just ended it Utah State losing to a D2 school at home. Um, frustrating loss. Uh, I'm not not breaking any news there. Uh, it was frustrating, I think, for a lot of the fans, frustrating for the players and the, the coaching staff. There's there's just not a way to uh, to spin that one. Yeah, no. you lose, lose to a D2 school. That's just not, no. just not the expectation. You've now lost – Four, four or five, five in a row. Yeah, five in a row. Um, five in a row. One of those is to a good team, uh, BYU. We'll give it up to BYU. They're a very good team. Yeah. that was our best game. Yeah, somehow stretch. the yeah um, somehow the best that Utah State played in this in this losing streak was against the comfortably the best team of the bunch. Yeah, with without question, you lose to Idaho um, at home on the road to BYU and then UVU and then at home to Northern Colorado and then Western Colorado. Those are uh, yeah, those are games that. Yeah, BYU is the only team that's in a better conference, better team. Um, the rest of those are, are Big Sky or D, uh, D2 yeah. so, or whack. Yeah. yeah. Tough stretch. Tough stretch. Yeah, and, and you could, I mean, you could see it at the at the end of the game. You could see the, you know, understandably kind of despondent reaction i i think that that uh cheyenne stubbs kind of sub you know it's kind of kind of summed it up pretty well when she she just you know on the last possession couldn't really get the shot on the basket it went up over the went up over the, the top of the basket um yeah and just kind of you know untucks her jersey and just looks kind of out of it just just not really what else you know what else is there to do 
at this point. She was uh, she was six of twenty one from the field, and I really don't. I mean, watching the game, I really don't blame her a ton for for shooting as much as she did because nobody else was doing it. You know, nobody else looked really on the front foot offensively. Macy Smith as well, three of fourteen. So those two combined to shoot nine of thirty five. And yeah. that's not good. You don't ever want that. You don't want your two top scorers to be nine of thirty-five from the field. They're the only two players on the team with more than six points. Um, but nobody else was doing it. Nobody else was really even all that involved offensively. Um, and it was just, you know, they 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 took slight wins in the turnover and rebounding battles. They had thirteen turnovers to fourteen from Western Colorado. They had 46 rebounds to 42. Um, they lost by one at the free throw line uh, where Western Colorado, shout out to them, was 11 of 11. You don't see that a ton. Uh, good, good day. No, yeah, that, good day that, that at the line. Um, it was not a good day for Western Colorado from the field. They were only seven to 50, or 17 of 55, which is just under 31%. But Utah State was 17 of 62, which is 27.4%. Um, and... It was never, you know, it was never pretty offensively. It was never easy offensively. The 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 defense couldn't really find an answer for Rachel Cockman, who, as you said, really good player. She she was really impressive. She had a double double, nineteen points, eleven rebounds on seven of eleven shooting. Um, but like, it's a D two team. It's it's a it's a D two team, and there's really not any excuse for for that this is not a game you can yeah. lose especially with the the games that preceded it where you just you just need to try and get some some positive momentum you have yeah. a very winnable game against a bad d2 team at home and you shoot 27 percent from the field and you know the the players offensively who really need to be involved beyond Cheyenne Stubbs in Ivory Finley and Sky Miller combined for 10 points on four of 10 shooting and neither of them play all that much, you know, 20 minutes and 23 minutes respectively for those two. It's just, it's, it's ugly. It's exactly as ugly as it, as it sounds. Um, Disorganized again, kind of lacking a, you know, clear plan and what they were hoping to do. Not really sure exactly what the, I I can't even really criticize the game plan because I don't know what the game plan is. I don't know what the idea is. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, we, we've talked about the kind of the up and down nature. The ups are not, are not all that high. Um, and the downs are, are, are this, and it's been a lot more down than it has been up recently. And, and it's, it's made, you know, the, this kind of outcome, this kind of game and the games that preceded it, the losses that preceded it are made worse by the moments where the team does look capable, where they do take a, you know, a good BYU team, to the final whistle, basically, and you know, six-point loss on the road. Um, yeah. To to yeah. do that, to have the ability to do that, makes it that much worse when you lose by two to a Division two team at home, and you don't score fifty points, and you don't, you just look kind of rudderless. Um, it's just, and that's been an issue. That's been an issue. That was an issue last year where they would have these moments where they looked good, and then they just would have moments where they looked completely. They they looked out of it. They just didn't. They just didn't look involved. They didn't look energetic. They didn't look like they knew what they were doing. And and this is a team that has shown the ability to make plays. It has shown a level of talent that would win games and that should win games like this. And then it just doesn't. Yeah. It just doesn't show up. And it's it's been 
now five, you know, uh, I guess not five because the BYU game was in there, but three straight losses here for Utah State where it just did not show really any signs of life. Yeah, and and with that, you know, outside of Cheyenne Stubbs, who was inefficient, you know, as you mentioned, shooting, uh, what, 6 of 21 from the field, um, she still found a way to get 16 points. She was 3 of 9 from 3, which is is not bad. Um, uh, Macy Smith, I thought, actually looked pretty good. She had a really good game. I'm, I'm starting to like what I'm seeing from her. We had a game uh, the other day, I, I can't remember which one it was, where we were kind of saying – yeah, she was great, but probably should have stopped shooting. I think um, it was the. Weird... I think it was the Utah was... Valley game. Oh, okay, yeah, I knew it was one of the two most recent. Yeah, um, and and this is why you know this is why we don't want her to, to stop shooting. Still inefficient, but getting twelve points is great. Outside of those two, just not not a lot going on. You mentioned the two players that need to be getting out, uh, involved offensively: Sky Miller, Ivory Finley, combined ten points. You're getting five points off of the entire bench unit. Um, Two from Isabella Tenedo, uh, and yeah. three points from Sammy Sugaturaga. Yep. Not good. Um, Lauren Crocker, who had a breakout game, I thought was very, very impressive last week, their last game against Northern Colorado. Um, a performance that I thought would have earned her more minutes. She yeah. played five minutes. Yeah. Um, I don't know what you're doing if you're not rewarding players who make plays with more time. I, I don't know what the coaching staff is seeing in practice. I don't know what Lauren Crocker's attitude or work ethic is like. I don't know yeah. what she's like in practice. I don't know anything other than the fact that she had a fantastic game against Northern Colorado and was rewarded with five points. Right. Uh, five, yeah, minutes. five minutes. She, yeah. she did not do much of anything. She had two rebounds. Um, I, I don't know. Like you said, I don't know what the game plan is. You're You're not. Um, you're not installing an offense that works. You're not rewarding your players that are making plays with more time. You're you're not doing um, any of the things that that would appear to be uh, pretty textbook when it comes to just putting together a, a basketball team and a basketball play uh, a game plan. Yeah. Um, and that's apparent when you lose to a Division two school. There's there is more to criticize than to be excited about when you lose to a Division two basketball school. Yeah. Um, that is just not um, the, the expectation at Utah State across the board, across campus. Every sport should be to beat at least Division two schools. I mean, yes. if you if you want to talk, I mean, we've lost to WAC and Big Sky schools in the past we uh, in the past stretch as well. Um, that expectation should be higher. Uh, the men's basketball team, the football team, uh, the volleyball team, the soccer team, the, they don't lose to teams in the whack. They don't lose to yeah. teams in the big sky. And if they, and when do, they do, yeah, it it's fights the, yeah, the sky is falling. Not the expectation. Yep. <laughs> yeah. um, let alone a division two school. It, it's frustrating that the expectations are so, um, so different for this team. Uh, I think there's some well-founded, frustration uh within the fan base and, and within the community uh because of that um because you look around and see a lot of success at utah state athletics right now yeah um from from the men's side the you know women's men's uh football basketball it's there's a lot of success happening right now and and to lose to you know a division two school yeah is not that's not what you expect to do in in logan it's especially at home like this yeah 
it's not the expectation yeah tough it, game. It, it was rough in front of a a listed attendance of 202 people um yeah there were yeah. i mean i've said this before on the on the show there were times pretty often last year where i could count the number of people in, in the arena and I, it's hard to blame them <laughs> you know it's 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 yeah what what is the what's the point of of showing up to one of these games if there's a distinct possibility that you lose to a d2 school um yeah it's yeah. it's a hard sell it's a hard sell and this is not this is not a school and not a fan base that is unwilling to support good women's sports we've seen it oh, <laughs> you know absolutely, absolutely. Seen, yeah. there was a there was a huge outpouring of support for very good teams for for on both the you know the 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 volleyball and soccer side of things people rallied around those teams um in a way that you Club just Estes had a better environment yeah. than some men's basketball games and maybe some football games i think that yeah. like uh, in other places around the country uh, Club Estes was one of the most energetic and electric uh, environments you could ask for. Yeah, and 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 the Bell too was great. Chuck and yeah. Gloria Bell Field was was getting a lot of fans out there because uh, there there was some success happening up there. Yeah, it was the kind of thing where like opposing Mountain West coaches in in volleyball were, you know, their 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 eyes get really big having to play a game there, having to play a match there. Yeah. It's like this is not something that you get anywhere else. This is not something that you can that you really have to see very often <laughs> in in volleyball and and that was the kind of environment they were working with. That is that's that's you can tap into that. There's there's plenty of interest. Yeah. And there would be we've said this before there would be a lot of interest in in this you know it's a basketball town logan loves basketball cash valley yeah, loves yeah. basketball you, there's a lot of history to support that um that support is there it's there for the taking and it, it just it feels like kind of you know there's a pretty significant opportunity for this program to build momentum and to build that sort of support that it is just absolutely not taking and that it is not really seemingly taking any steps towards taking um and like i it's it's not it's not something that we need to have a you know a whole long conversation about at this point because it doesn't really there's only so much you can say about it um i think it's probably just you gotta something's gotta give you know something something's gotta give there has to be there's gotta be some progress made and there's just not being progress there's not being progress made they're not they're not getting any better and it's been the same story now for for several years and and you can you know you can talk all you want about wanting a competitive team uh, about wanting a team that fights for everything that always is is you know playing in games and and making it tough on opponents you can say that and you can try to recruit players to that and, and you can get players who fit that but like we were saying if the reward as a freshman for having such a great game and, and having such a, an impact on a game um, in, in, a, in a matchup where against you know Northern Colorado in their last game where nobody else was really doing a ton, if the reward for that for Lauren Crocker is five minutes on the floor and a loss to a D2 school, that's not fostering that environment. You have to do that within the program too. You can't, it's not just recruiting competitive players competitive teams are built within the season within the off season yeah. with work and yeah. with rewarding 
effort with rewarding that level of, you know, when you do good things, you see more playing time. When you, when you, when you do things the right way, when you do the stuff that you're supposed to be doing, you get more time. And when you don't, you get less time. And it doesn't seem like there was any really, there, there's, there's any <laughs> relationship at all between production, between effort level, between competition level from players and the amount of time that they're seeing on the floor. It, it is not. Yeah. Uh, outside of Scott, uh, or yeah, outside of Cheyenne Stubbs, I think that's a hundred percent true. Yeah. And like Cheyenne Stubbs, is, true. she's a player you can't really take off the floor. She played almost 38 minutes in this game. She's the only p- player on the offense who can score reliably. <laughs> and, yeah. and she had a rough, like, rough night to your point. Yeah. She had a, a rare off night against Northern Colorado. Yeah. Um, where she scored, I think like four points. Um, I have it right here. Yeah. Four, yeah. Four points. Um, was, was just not getting shots up. She was one for four from the field. Um, and that, that's when Lauren Crocker was able to step up and, you know, Sky Sky Miller stepped up as a leading scorer right behind her was Lauren Crocker. So you have a game where you're, you're not getting much else. Your star players just having one of those nights. They happen. Um, and Lauren Crocker steps up and takes care of business. They, They lose. Um, but she does from what I saw, everything in her power, she was four of six from the field. She wasn't missing shots. Yeah, she was very good, uh, and and gets rewarded with five minutes on the field on the, yeah. on the on the court. Yeah, it just doesn't. It there's a there's a disconnect there that 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 extends to the the inconsistency of of the team. There has to be. Uh, there, there's got to be a carrot, <laughs> you know, there has to be a thing that you're working. It can't just be the stick. Yeah. It can't yeah. just be saying that you want them to be competitive. Okay. Reward it. You know, when, when they are competitive, yeah. when, when a freshman steps in and plays like that, she should be playing more. There's not, there's, who's keeping her out of the lineup. Who's the center who you can't take off the floor. There's not one here. There's not like, uh, Oh, there's, there's not, there's nobody there. Just let her play. Yeah, she, it's a position that's not, there's not a lot of competition there. And when yeah. she dominates the way that she does, you have struggled in the post all season. Uh, I yeah. would say Bridget Mullings is probably their, um, kind of their, their, yeah, four. They're they're forward. Yeah, and we she, don't have a center. Really and she played eight. On the roster. And, she played eight forty six in this game. Um, yeah, and, uh, yeah. And her time, I think. I think after that performance that Lauren Crocker had, you you could probably eat eat into the, some of those minutes. Yeah, just see what happens. You know, yeah. Bridget Mullins has been fine. She hasn't been bad. She hasn't been amazing. Just put Crocker out there and see what happens. See if yeah. see if she can replicate what she had. I mean, she was. She didn't score, but she also didn't shoot. She didn't get a single shot attempt. No. She didn't do anything. She was she ran rebounds. up and down the court five times and <laughs> grabbed a couple boards. I think a yeah. personal foul as well. Like that's it. Yeah. It was. I, I don't get it. Yeah, let her. I don't get it. Let her get into the game. See see what she can do. Um, you know, get get her get her into the flow of the game. I don't really understand the the four guard lineup that they're rolling with right now. I don't really know that that fits with the ability of the team all, all that well. Um, yeah, I know what they're trying to do. Yeah. I think. yeah. Maybe. Yeah. You, I you, mean, it's a guard-heavy team, to be, to be fair. There's yeah. there's not a center listed. Uh, I would say Lauren Crocker and Bridget Mullings are probably your centers. Uh, Livia Knapp, I think, is listed as a guard. She's kind of a forward. Um, Sammy's t- – it's not a big team. It's not a huge yeah. team. Yeah, which have talented guards, but I don't know that they are. So, I mean, here's some breaking news: it's not working. No, you it's lost not. to a Division Two team, so whatever you're doing is not working. 
Yeah, well, if the benefit of that spacing against a D2 team is 12 assists and 5 of 26 from the field, the spacing <laughs> isn't doing anything for you. You you just have a yeah. bunch of players who are standing all over the floor and nobody is doing anything. <laughs> Nobody's passing and there's no movement. Yeah. There's nothing going on. You're just hoping that somebody will score. You're hoping that somebody will win a one-on-one matchup. Um, and that was... Which Stubbs is, is capable of doing, but yeah. she not not in this system, not... not... No every time yeah not yeah yeah it's uh it's bleak it's it's i'm i'm i i'm uh i i think that this is i think this is just about run its course i'm i'm ready to see something else um it's it's rough there's there's got to be it's got like i said something's got to give because they're just they're getting worse (laughs) they're getting worse from where they were at the start of the season and they're getting less competitive they're getting just everything everything is not good um it's it's rough it was a really rough end to the to the non-conference schedule and it's been just it's been bad it it was it was not good this is a this is a this is a breaking point kind of loss i I think you just can't you can't do that you can't lose yeah i I got that i got that sense uh yeah yeah i got that sense during the game as it as it was early on when i thought we were getting blown out Mm -hmm. and this week as that lead slipped away, um, I got yeah. that feeling. Yeah, yeah I don't, I don't, like, I don't know what you say like after, a, you know, in, in, the, know. In, in the locker room after that. How do you build on this? How do you, how do you move forward from a D two loss to a bad D two team? Uh, I don't well, know. Without without many opportunities, really, to get right. Like, yeah, guess was, who's? You, yeah, guess you who's supposed to get right? You are playing one of the best teams. <laughs> probably, I mean, by far the best team you're going to play all year, and you and yeah. you're doing it on the road. Yeah, one of the UNLV best teams in America. Very, very good. Yeah, they are. Yeah, I think they're 13 in the net. I, I checked um, yeah, today. I think they're they're in the top. They're 20. so good. They're in they're the, so I, good. I think they're in the AP top 25, which doesn't happen a ton for Mountain West teams. Um, yeah, yeah. I remember last year when they played, and I think UNLV is probably better than it was last year, even, which is saying something. Um, it was like they were playing difference, but it was like a it was like a college team against a high school team. It was embarrassing. <laughs> it was it was deeply deeply embarrassing, and I don't really know why to expect anything else here. Um, UNLV was uh, running on air. You know, they were they were just they were just trying some stuff out. <laughs> they were they were just having fun yeah. with it. Yeah, it was yeah. it was like yeah, UNLV. Oh, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. I, I don't remember exactly what the score was last year at halftime. It was like forty six to four or something like that. It was it was unpleasant. <laughs> yeah, it, it was something like that. I remember it. See, yeah, it's not not good. Um, I just double checked. UNLV fell out of the of the top twenty five. Um, the AP poll, huh. but they are they they're don't let it fool you yeah they're they're very good yeah yeah they're very good and i think that they will probably make pretty short work of this outfit um would be my would be my expectation given this so that's where we're at with that side of the basketball equation on the men's side we do have a good stuff yeah let's get over there yeah we do have a game to talk about uh since we last recorded uh, another another crazy one, I would say. Another yeah. crazy, crazy game. Utah State 54, San Francisco 53. Um, defensive battle through and through, as the final score would reflect. Utah State shot just 30.2% from the field and 9.5% from three. Utah State had a lot of trouble with the second three-point line in this game, and that's not the only thing that was oh, going wrong for yeah. the offense. But yeah. I, I think that like this is, you know... It's never good in this kind of neutral site game when college teams are playing on an NBA floor and they have the NBA three-point line to worry about um, because 
you, your brain just you you, you don't want to you don't want it to be a long two, and so you're going to play it safe and be behind the second line. And so Utah State shot almost all of its threes from behind the second line, and understandably yep. did not fare especially well on those, <laughs> on those tries. San Francisco's was not yeah. a whole lot better. They were five of twenty. They have played on this kind of floor before. They've played in Oracle Arena, and so they they have a little bit more experience with it. But that was obviously causing some issues. But offensively, it was a difficult night for Utah State. That's a really, really, really strong San Francisco defense, and Utah State just couldn't really get anything going. Um, another pretty quiet night offensively for Great Osabar, though I did I did think he played better in this game. I thought that it was it was a lot better. It was a lot more in control than he was against Santa Clara. He still found ways to positively impact the game. He still had eight rebounds, cut down on the turnovers. He had three with three assists. He had a steal. I thought this was a much, much better version of Great Osibor than the one that we saw against Santa Clara. I thought he was impactful in positive ways and that he was not... I don't think he was actively hurting the team. I, I think that this was just not a favorable matchup, and this was one where they were... I mean, San Francisco, San Francisco was frequently like triple-teaming him, um, and that is something that Utah State will have to adjust to. That's something that they're going to have to learn to to work around offensively because teams will do that. I will say these are the two biggest teams that Utah State will see this year. I'm not just, that's not vibes based. That's like the Ken Palm height stats. These are the two biggest teams they'll see San Francisco and Santa Clara. There's nobody in the mountain West with that level of height. These two lineups that had like four guys above six, six in them in the starting lineup. Um, that's that's tough to work around. It's going to be difficult for anybody. And San Francisco has a really, really good defense. But even with that said, even with the issues that Utah State had offensively that, that lasted pretty much all night, um, we're talking about a win. We're talking about a Utah State win to move to 11-1, and one of the best starts in program history. I, I think only five other teams have started 11-1. and um, Danny Sprinkle seemed pretty, pretty much shocked that they were there after, after the game. And this was, you know, another one that Utah State had to really scratch and claw and, and fight for to get the win and they do it. And, you know, Ian Martinez was huge again, another massive game from Ian Martinez, 20 points, eight rebounds, five steals. Um, he, it was a completely different game when he was on the floor. They brought him back in with like seven minutes left when he had four fouls and he totally reversed the momentum of the game and really kind of dragged Utah State back into it. They did a lot of it at the free throw line. They were critically, they were 15 of 20 from the line in the second half, which is far better than they've done really at any point this season. Martinez himself was nine of 11 at the line. Uh, Josh Duji had four big ones. And then the the other hero here, as has been for now two games in a row, the unexpected hero, becoming a little bit more expected now that he's done it twice in two big games, uh, Khalifa Sacco, 13 minutes, he scored seven points, he had three rebounds, he had a steal, um, and he had the defensive stand to win the game with six seconds left. He was the man in uh, in defense against Jonathan Mobo. The very, very good forward, very good center for San Francisco. Took him on at the top of the key. Did not let him pass. Stood tall. Got some help off the ball from Martinez and Osibor. And uh, doesn't even get a shot up. Mobo does not even get a shot up. Um, Sacco also had the last two buckets for Utah State. The first one was on purpose. Um, <laughs> the, the, the first one. The first one was another. That's a the, one of the one of the best plays that Osibor I thought made in the game driving from the elbow, driving in, and then 
rather than just going up with a shot. Uh, makes a really nice pass to Sacco yeah. under the basket. Sacco's first shot is blocked by the giant uh, of, of, I don't even know how to say his name, the giant. You guys know who I'm talking about, the really <laughs> big guy. Um, yeah, but gets it right back, goes right into his chest, and, and loops it in to, uh, I believe, give Utah State a two-point lead. Malik Thomas hits a ridiculous three, super contested three. I thought Joshua Duji's defense was perfect. It was just a better shot. Um, so Utah State falls down by one. And then um, the uh, uh, a supernatural force uh, intervenes, <laughs> and and uh, Darius yeah. Brown's mid-range jumper that bounces off the back of the iron or off the off the backboard and hits looked like three different players. I think it was Osibor, Sacco, and Mobo. With Sacco and Mobo as the two most involved, bounces right back up, hits off the glass, and goes in. They were in the right place, and sometimes being in the right place will work out for you. Um, that is, it's it's uh, the the result was lucky. The process was not. They were in the right place. They were there to do the offensive rebounding work that they needed to do, and they were rewarded for it with a uh, a shot that doesn't happen very often, but a shot that did happen yeah. here, and that's all that matters. They were rewarded for their efforts. Um, Khalifa Sacco was brilliant. He was absolutely brilliant. He was fantastic all game. Uh, in, in the 13 minutes that he played, he completely changed the way that Utah State was playing defense. The defense was so good down the stretch. Um, and, uh, you know, Danny Sprinkle was fired up. That's the way that he likes to, you know, that's, that's how he wants to build his program is to win games like this, to be able to hold up defensively. I thought the defense was fantastic all game from Utah State. Marcus Williams had six points. Um, they, they, you know, pretty much held the stars underwater for most of the game for San Francisco. Uh, just a really, really tough, gritty, impressive win from, from Utah state to do it basically without scoring, to do it without much of anything happening on offense to still win this game against a really impressive San Francisco team. Um, that's, uh, that's a tough one. (laughs) That's a tough, tough, tough win. And another one for, for this team that just keeps stacking them up. Yep, that was uh yeah, Khalifa Sacco, he is he's gonna get I mean that that last shot, if you can even call it a shot, the the, <laughs> the tip in whatever it was, that's gonna get kind of the most attention and, and probably rightfully so, because it's one of the weirdest things I've ever uh seen on a basketball court, uh especially like at this level. Like that's what you expect when you're watching like your little brother play junior jazz uh-huh. and kids are just running around and the ball's bouncing yeah. and doing things. But yeah, like it hit, it hit some it, kid in the <laughs> head and bounced in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean that that was weird. That's gonna take kind of the most uh, uh most of the oxygen in the room. His defense though is what what was the most impressive to that point. Um his defense was very, very good. It was just lockdown. Like you just couldn't get around him. Uh, the same could really be said of the whole team, the Utah State team. That's that's how that's how Danny Sprinkle likes to play, um, and boy, are they executing! They are they are really really doing a good job on defense. Yeah, um, you could you could just feel this, the frustration from San Francisco at times. Like they they're a good team, and you know they're doing everything that they're taught to, and they're just they can't get by. There's just a dude in their way. They can't get shots up. Like there there was. There is visible frustration at times. They are, uh, and we've seen that I think a lot this season, and we're going to see it a lot yeah. more. Um, this team, this Utah State team, would 
not be fun to play against. They are very good. Yeah. They are very annoying to play. Yeah. Um, it would not be fun to go up against a Danny Sprinkle unit that's that's this good. Yeah, and they just they just refuse to go away. They absolutely oh, refuse yeah. to to yeah. to let the game get away from them. Um, with like I, I think in like the last four ish minutes of the game, San Francisco had one uh, basket. They scored once. It was that ridiculous Thomas three. Um, other than that, Utah State just shut them down and 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 closed the gap and then ultimately takes the the lead and wins the game. Um, the only other specific thing I have on this, and then we'll get out of here. Uh, the This possession, I, I got a little bit less love because it was not like the last possession of the game defensively, but there was a possession a little bit before the last defensive possession that going back and watching this, I was, I was just blown away with the way that Utah State played it. Um, this was under the two-minute mark after Ian Martinez had tied the game at 50. Um, there was a there was a full set for San Francisco. They took almost every second that was on the shot clock off of the shot clock, and they ran I think three different ball screens uh, throughout the action. The first one was for Williams and uh, Darius Brown and Osibor shut it down, cut him off, forced a reset to uh, Mike Sharov jumps, and so they then they they run another ball screen for him. Uh, they get the switch that they wanted, which is a 6'8 guard driving against Khalifa Sacco. Khalifa Sacco takes him to the baseline and traps him. Did not let him pass. This is a guard. This is a 6'8 guard, and Khalifa Sacco just out. He just beats him to the hoop and traps him on the baseline, forces another reset out to Marcus Williams. They try one more ball screen. Um, he has about a, about a third of a second's worth of, of free space and shot clock is running down, rises, fires a three. Josh Uduji is like, he's like wearing his Jersey for this shot. Josh Uduji in in the switch defense could not possibly be closer to Marcus Williams as he's shooting this ball than he is without fouling, right? Like, like you could not. His arm was almost seriously within his, his within Williams's jersey. He was right there, um, and Williams's shot is obviously not <laughs> does not fall. Um, Great Osabar's there for the rebound, gets it knocked loose. Sharov Joms has what looks like a clear path to the basket, a clear, easy, basically uncontested layup, and from behind, Darius Brown knocks the ball out and then somehow keeps himself in bounds as he's falling out of bounds. He saves it to. Khalifa Sacco and Utah State retains possession. Um, it was an unbelievable defensive sequence. It, it was it, <laughs> it was one of the most impressive individual uh, defensive sets I have I've seen in a while. They they were they were completely perfect, and it was a huge part of the game, um, a huge moment in the game. And then they ended up scoring on the the next possession to take the lead. They were just, they were so on it defensively down the stretch of this game and, and really throughout the game. Um, this was, I, I think, pretty pretty clearly the best defensive performance that Utah State has had this season. And honestly, probably the best you know single game defensive performance that Utah State has had in a while. It it's been it's oh, been yeah, a couple yeah, years certainly. since Utah State yeah. has had a game like this defensively. They were almost completely without flaw. It was it was really really impressive. Yeah, it'd be hard to argue against that. Uh, definitely the best defensive game of the season. Um, off the top of my head, probably 
for the past few years as yeah. well. Um, I'm sure that it was like, just, I, I think the Craig Smith teams great. probably had some games like that, but uh, well, it's... yeah, and that that's what makes it so impressive. Like uh, Ryan Odom is not a coach that doesn't play defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, like he's his his teams were, yeah. were good. They were above um, average defensively. It was not like it was they were, they wasn't they, they, they weren't like just run and gun not playing any defense, but they weren't. They weren't yeah. doing that. <laughs> you didn't see anything like this. No. Under him. Maybe under Craig Smith, and half of that's just because he, the, you know, Mimius Keda. Yeah. Um, uh, they had some dudes actually, Abel Porter and, and, and Fonzo Anderson. They had some good. Yeah, it's been a while. It's yeah, been a while. It's been a while. Yeah. This it, this was very impressive. Yeah. Against a, a good team. Yeah, I think probably a tournament team. Um, yeah, I I think so. I think that, so. It was it was really good. It was a really really impressive way to win that game. Uh, ugly, yeah. and it doesn't matter. <laughs> ugly wins count all yeah. the same. Um, just continue to be very impressed with this team and and with with Danny Sprinkle as a as a coach. Um, he is he's pressing all the right buttons. He's he's doing the stuff that you would want to that you'd want to see. Um, yeah, I think that's all we got then for this one, Parker. Unless you've got anything else, we'll get uh, we'll get out of here and we'll be back to talk about a football game the next time we're on here. Yep, that's all I got. Um, it'll be good. It'll be fun. We'll be back soon.